You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Welcome to this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing on with an incredible guest today. Our guest today, life has been full of ups and downs for him. Currently, he has three books out, two chapbooks published, and he does illustration work for magazines, books, clothing companies, comics, and bands. In addition to that, he owns a tattoo shop in New York. And along the way, he's made it through brain cancer, a knife fight with a crackhead, traumatic car crashes, and his wife dying in a hit and run. In spite of all this, he looks at the glasses half full and to push through whatever the latest obstacle is. So please welcome to the show, Dan Hank. How's it going, Dan? Good to have hey, you on the show. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, that is, wow, that's quite the bio. That's some incredible challenges to go through there. And, uh, you know, on top of that, I've, I've had a chance to look at your site, check out your art, get some really cool stuff going on. So uh, oh, nice. take, a, take a minute and just maybe just intro yourself to the, sh- to the people listening, just a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay, uh, right now I own a tattoo shop in New York City, and uh, I work about three days a week doing tattoos, and, you know, I, I work basically all week managing the shop, but, you know, the, the other time I spend, you know, doing illustrations and writing, like, my girlfriend says I do way too much, but I, I, I try to keep busy, I try and do stuff, and I figure I'll rest when I'm dead. Let's, let's dive it right, let's go ahead and dive right in with the story of a time that you set yourself up for a big challenge or a big obstacle. And you went ahead and went for this big audacious goal. So maybe share with the listeners what was going through your head and, and why you went out to achieve it. Well, I think the biggest thing that I went for is that I decided, like, I always wanted to be an artist. I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I had a lot of uh, kind of stuff I felt stacked against me. Like my parents were super conservative, super Christian. And I was a teenage punk rocker. So they kicked me out of the house. And I was homeless. And uh, I, was, I was trying to make it like I was painting everyone's leather jackets. I was like doing political cartoons. I, I was trying really hard to like make it as an illustrator. I had went through a whole string of shitty jobs like washing dishes and busser and restaurants, stuff like that. But then I decided to finally, I, I was going to take this really seriously. I was like, I really got to make it go for this. So I put myself through art school. And at the end of art school, I was talking to my teacher. I left a little bit early because my teacher was like, you know, he said I had a lot of potential. I could really make it. But if I wanted to make it, I had to move to New York City. And I didn't know anyone in New York City. So, like, I I vaguely knew a guy that I worked with. They had a place in Queens. And he said he'd rent me out a spare room. So I put everything I owned in a backpack, got on my, like, 10-year-old motorcycle and just drove to New York and tried to make it. And so what was, what, what happened? How, how, what was the first couple of weeks like? Well, I figured like I was working a restaurant job in DC. So I figured I could get a restaurant job in New York. That's actually not as easy as to think it would be because New York kind of has this mentality of like, Oh, if you've never worked here before, it doesn't really count. So I was trying really hard to find a job. I, I could, you know, fortunately I kind of knew the guy, so I wasn't paying that much money. And uh, I made a little bit of money. Like I was, I was on a bike and I got nailed by a car and I got a, a little bit of a settlement off that. It was like two grand. 
And I was like, that's just enough to allow me to coast a little bit. So I came to New York and, you know, my, my rent, like he was only charging me like 250 for that spare room. And I was like, well, I got a little wiggle room and I went through that real fast. And right when I was really desperate, I got a restaurant job. And then I was trying really hard. I was like, well, I don't want, I didn't move to New York just to get another restaurant job. So I was trying really hard to get a job actually doing art. That was a whole, that was a whole mess. This whole different story. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. This, this idea of, of sticking with your art and, and turning it into a career, because that's, I think that's a, a, a very bold challenge that a lot of people face, especially in art school. There's, you know, you have three types of students that, that go to art school. You have the people that stick with it and they have a very successful career and they're able to continue doing art. Then you have the people who art becomes a hobby. Maybe they'll go back to it here and there. And then you have the people that give up and they just, uh, their creativity goes to waste. They find a real job or whatever, and then the, they go on. And so you're someone who's been able to come out the other side as an artist. And this is what you do. What what was the what was the process like in terms of making that leap so that this is your full time um, source of income? Well, it was actually a lot harder than I thought it would be because it's not necessarily whether you're any good at something; it's whether or not somebody has faith you're going to make them money. And so I remember I was trying really hard in New York, like. I was a guy in high school that was like painting everyone's leather jackets and like doing all the art for their bands and all, you know, flyers and whatever. And then I was homeless for a little while because my parents kicked me out of the house and moved <laughs> and it, like, like sleeping in the woods homeless. Um, but then when I got back on my feet, I was trying really hard to do art again. So I was painting more people's jackets. I started doing political cartoons um, I was like, you know, maybe I can make it do it off this. So I went to the Society of Illustrators meeting in Baltimore and uh, they're real negative talking about how basically political cards unions didn't pay money anymore. And, and I wasn't making that much. I was, I was working as dishwasher, but, you know, I'd go home after working all day and I just draw until late at night, like trying to get it out there. I was like, you know, I've got to make it, you know, I, I don't expect anybody to give you a leg up. Nobody really cares except for you if you make it. So I was like, I was just trying really hard. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? Like I was submitting to comic companies and it would be kind of like, well, you know, the good, good try keep sending us stuff. I was like, what are they looking for? And so I'm trying to figure it out. So I was like, you know what? I need to go to art school. And obviously I had almost no money. But I went to community college for art. I kind of lucked out. It was like we had a, a controversial black artist in D.C. that was now teaching at community college. But he's a, obviously a really good artist. He just needed to make some regular money. So he was my teacher. He was really cool. And um, he taught me a lot. And he was a big supporter of my stuff. And he said, hey, you know, you, you got a lot of potential. If you want to make it, you got to go to New York City. And I was like, you know what? I do want to make it. I don't want to be stuck in Virginia for the rest of my life, like doing all sorts of bullshit jobs and feeling like I'm just a failure. I'm like, if I taking if I'm taking this seriously, if, if I want to meet my dreams, I got to move to the big city. So I moved to the big city and then I just kept hitting up people. Like I did, I interviewed with Penguin Books, I interviewed with DC Comics, which by the way, pays very little money. It, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, but 
that they demand a lot of work and they pay very little money. But and then a friend of my brother saw my paintings. He's like, he should tattoo. And so he taught me how to tattoo. I got into tattooing. Once I was making regular money tattooing, all of a sudden I was doing, you know, book covers, <laughs> work for comic books. It's like, like once you don't depend on something to pay your bills, people love to hire you. It, it, you know, kind of the opposite of the way you should be, but you know, whatever. Yeah, it's crazy. There's almost like there was this tipping point of just after you just keep hitting it, keep hitting it, keep hitting it, and then it eventually just works. Yeah, no, that, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. That's and the fact that you just didn't give up and you stayed with it, I think that's really the the soul of it. So let uh, now let's shift gears a little bit and just talk about you know what's going on in the future. Like what are you really excited about coming up? Uh this could be you know, either some trends that you're seeing in the world or just in your own career, what, um, what's got you really looking forward to the future? Well, I, I really like, like when you keep writing, you kind of develop either more of like a, you're more influenced by you develop either more of a like for it, or you kind of go, this isn't really for me. And, uh, the, the more I've done, the more I like it. And I, I really like what I do is I do books with like comic book style illustrations. In them. So I get out both my artistic, you know, draw and I get out my my writing. Like when, when I went to high school, I couldn't decide what I wanted to be, whether they wanted to be a, a writer or an artist. And this kind of allows me to do both. So I'm really excited where that's led me. And I kind of feel like I've reached sort of a stasis right now where I I, I tattoo three days a week. And then I do all this other stuff. So I get to do my writing and get to do my illustration and I get to do my tattooing. So cool. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I'm a big comic book reader. I read a lot of um, Asian comics in particular. So and I, my book, I also play comics. So I, I really appreciate the the storytelling aspect of, yeah, you have the visuals and the story. It's it's really cool. Um, I can see why you, why you enjoy to spend the time there. Uh, yeah, well, comics are the oh, first yeah. time that I saw that you could actually combine art and writing. Because at the time, I was like, well, I liked comic books, but I didn't see anything until like Watchmen came out and Dark Knight came out. I was like, wow, this is really well written, you know, not for children, like like integral stuff. Like, I, I remember Alan Moore wrote Watchmen. He, he won an award and like... Um, I think of the Times or Newsweek or something like, like it was like voted as one of the best novels. And, and I, I know a lot of novelists were actually mad because a comic book won, but that, that's how far it progressed. Yeah. Watchmen is fantastic. So, um, so let's, let's, also, let's talk a little bit about some practical tips that you can share with people. Um, you know, as mentioned in your bio, you've been through quite a bit and, you know, talking through the struggle that you've had to go through to until your career could actually start to bear fruit. What are some tips that you've learned along the way that people can can utilize to just stay positive and and live with courage? Well, I think there I think there are two things that are really important. One is don't give up. There's a lot of people they either it's because other people tell them or because they're like you know maybe they feel like it's you know not paying off well enough or not being successful enough and they just give up. If that's your passion, stick with it. And like like with drawing, I was like, well, I've got to pay the rent, so I had a regular job, but I'd go home, I had an art table, and I draw until late at night, like listening to music, just drawing, you know. And just trying, I kept submitting. 
I submit, I get turned down. I go, I try and go, what did they not like? And then I try and redraw it. So they like it a little bit better. Like, so just keep at it. You know, that that's one of my points. The other thing is you should be able to take criticism without getting all hurt over it. Like I, I remember, especially in art school, you know, you'd have people, and I remember my, my art teacher was lamenting people that are like this. I've seen plenty in the tattoo world that are like this, where it's like they'll do something, you go, hey, man, that, that really doesn't look good. You're not doing good anatomy. You're not doing, you know, good perspective or anything like that. And they'll go, oh, well, this is my style. And then you say, oh, well, yeah, but you try to not be an asshole, but you try and, like, give them some like a positive change of direction. And they go, well, look at Picasso. So this is what I remember the art teacher would say. He's like, Picasso could draw absolutely perfectly realistic stuff before he transitioned to his style. So you kind of need to know the rules in order to break them. So I, I would say don't give up and listen to criticism. I love that. I love that. Uh, I want to, I'd love to hear just maybe a story around one of the coolest tattoos you've, you've designed or, or pieces of art, you know, maybe just something that if you want to share something that just goes back in the memory book as well, wow, that was a really cool piece. Well, I love, I mean, I, I've been tattooing for 20 years, so I, I have a million stories. So it's kind of hard to break it down into what's been, well, I'll tell you a couple that kind of, uh, I think were very influential. One is uh, there was a guy, um, he worked for a financial firm. He was in the Twin Towers when they went down. So, you know, he suffers from PTSD now. He made good money, though, from working for the firm, making good investments, you know, his couple of houses. But he basically had one old school tattoo, nothing major. And since then, I've sleeved both of his arms. I sleeved his leg. I've tattooed his neck. And he says it's changed his life. It's like, uh, like I, I remember when I first started working on him and his wife cheated on him and he, he was just at a really low place. And now it's like he has a younger, hotter girlfriend. He loves the way he looks. It's like it, it, it basically changed the way he feels about himself. He's a really nice guy. So I'm happy for him. You know, I, I'm happy that, that he made it that far. Um, I have other people that will look at some of my paintings and they'll say, Hey man, I, I love what you do with this. Can you turn it into a back piece? Like I, I did one painting where it's like an old school diver and Cthulhu, the big monster from HP Lovecraft is coming up behind him. And a guy said, I love that. Can you do this back piece? So now I'm doing that as a back piece. So I really enjoy doing my own art as giant pieces of skin art. Wow. Yeah. I could imagine that's awesome. Yeah. And so let's, let's talk about the, the creative process. If, if you're down, um, what, what do you use to keep your ideas fresh? Like, how do you, how do you stay motivated when, um, you know, maybe you're, you're hitting a wall in terms of creativity. What are some of the, 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 the processes or decision-making frameworks that you, that you use to keep your creativity fresh? No, I, I actually think that's a very good question because, you know, some people like they try to, to be a little bit uh, tighter about like, oh, oh man, I, I always have good ideas or whatever. It's like everybody has a little bit of a block. And like when I'm writing a story, I'll be uh, I'll reach a point where I'm like, I'm not sure how it should progress with it. So you've got to be willing to step away from it. Step away, look at other stuff. One thing that really helps is um, 
I'm I'm pretty heavy in a physical fitness. Like I, I do jiu-jitsu and I do Muay Thai and I go running. Um, but I find that, you know, if you go out for a run or you go out for a bike ride or whatever, it, you know, it, it basically kicks up the endorphins in your brain and you start thinking. So whenever I'm at a block in my writing or like I, I'm drawing or painting a big piece, I'm like, I'm not quite sure how this should develop. I'll go out for that run or that bike ride and I'll just think about it during the 30 minutes that I'm, I'm traveling. And again, it, it's, you know, you all those endorphins rush through. I always come up with something. So when I come back to the table, I, I know where I'm going next. I love that. I love that. It's great. Cool. Awesome. So I think that's, let's work towards wrapping up here. I'm going to ask, yeah, I've, I've got so many questions I wish I could ask, but uh, I'm going to choose this one to be our, our, our closing question here. Okay. So, what would you say is, um, if you could sum up your most impactful life lesson, what would that, what would that be? And this could also be like a piece of advice you got from someone else or just a, a lesson that you've learned along your journey. I think the biggest lesson I learned, I kind of learned it with two things that happened. Um, one is when I had brain cancer, I kind of learned that you, you know, life, life can be like choice in life can be really serious. So you shouldn't be as concerned about what other people think about you. You shouldn't be concerned about like you basically like, like there's lots of people. Oh, well, I get a tattoo, but my mom doesn't look like them. It's for you. Do If they love you, they'll still love you after you get the tattoo. And then the other one is when my wife died, I was like, I learned that life is short. If you want to accomplish something, you have to get on it. Amen to that, man. Oh, Dan, this has been an incredible interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. How do how do people um, one find your work? Two, if they want to get a sleeve, where do they go? Uh, I have a website. Everything's on my website. It's danhink.com. It's d-n-h-e-n-k.com. And uh, definitely check out my latest book. I'm I'm really excited about that. It's called The End of the World. It's available everywhere, even in audio. Fantastic, awesome, Dan. Thanks for being on the show. All right, thank you for having me. Bye. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show, and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode.